TBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! 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 Welcome to the program. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network. Coming to you from an, a, well, a, a compromised but still workable DBN Network studio location. So the audio quality coming to you may not be what you usually hear when uh, listening to the dulcet tones of this program, but uh, fear not. The content is still of the <clears throat> quality that you have come to expect. We're just uh, undergoing a little bit, you know, it's it's like anything else. When you got a bunch of equipment and so on that you're working with, uh, sometimes stuff either isn't working right or needs to undergo maintenance, or in the case of this week, I had... And I'm not going to bleed on you people, but I had uh, my, my router died of all the stupid things. And it's the, it's the main thing that, like, powers this whole – well, the main um, informational source that powers all of this. And so, and of course, it happens on a Friday, so it takes a couple days to, to get the thing uh, shipped out and everything. So we're all good. Um, still able to, to do everything. And uh, thank God I'll be able to still catch our beloved Roarange helmets tomorrow when they square off for the opening game of the season against – the stillers, but it's just it's just all that to say that while I may sound a little bit different, my uh, zeal and my penchant for giving presenting to you hopefully some some stuff that uh, that you can enjoy uh, has not been uh, diminished. It's been a while since we've talked. I've been you know I've been busy. I've been doing a lot of stuff. Plus you know I mean while there's been plenty to talk about. I've kind of really I've taken an approach this preseason and really kind of all the way through the training camp. I think that was the last time I talked to y'all was at the very beginning of training camp. But it's just there's so many things about which just kind of needed to play out, I think. And they kind of have now. And we're we're at now as we're on the eve of the regular season, I, I think that I can speak about these things with a little bit more certitude. Not that me being certain about anything is ever required for me to pontificate to you wonderful folks whenever we get together like this, but still, there's just, um, you know, and, and some things I think confirmed, other things, uh, it's certainly a bit of a surprise, and then you throw on top of that the entire uh, hard knocks dynamic, which I got to tell you, just to, start, to, just to start with that, I, I really, I, I am... I am sad that we're, we're not going to get this every year. I so enjoyed Hard Knocks way more than I thought. I, and, and, cause to be honest with you, I had really no expectations. It's like when they announced that the Browns were going to be on Hard Knocks, like, yeah, okay, whatever. I mean, I, it just it, it didn't ma- bother uh, – I, I should say it didn't um, conjure up any you know real feelings of excitement or whatever. But just I, – I, I don't know. I, I had never watched the show before. I, I even um, – I think it was last year, a couple years ago when the Bucks were on. It would have been the only time. I really would have been interested in the teams, but it's just never really been something that's interested me. Plus, I haven't had HBO in a while. I, I, and, and look, my bad. I, 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 the production values, it's actually a really good show. And I may take it in um, next year, though probably won't. But either way, with it being specific 
towards you know my team i was just I, I was blown away by how much i enjoyed it particularly because there all of these people that we talk about yeah, and when I say we, I mean those of us that are you know routinely on the threads at dogsbynature.com, where we all have come to know each other. And and you know, there's probably I don't know how how however many of us there are that have that basically get together every day to talk about these things. And so we all kind of have an intimate um, knowledge and thought process regarding all of these individual players and when i use the word player i don't necessarily mean just you know the players that are on the roster for the browns i mean player as in the all of the actors and characters in and around this organization such as coach Hugh Jackson or general manager John Dorsey or whoever and so seeing these people in their actual you know environment and understand look i get it there there's there's certainly grandstanding and people act differently when cameras are present i'm not you know, unwise to that whole uh, dynamic. But at the same time, it's, you know what I'm going to do as I'm, as I'm talking to you here. I mean, if you're, you may hear a little bit of a difference, I'm just going to lower the, uh, the volume here, just the, just the, just a hair. So it may sound a little bit different from here on on, but from here on out, but you know, hopefully better either way um, to see even, even in a sort of contrived setting uh, as a lot of it was, you know, like every time Greg Williams talked, it seemed like he was, uh, he just grandstanding in, in in and and by by the way, none of his gusto, um, or I should say, none of his bluster seemed to really be internalized. In other words, none of the defensive players looked like they were buying into anything that dude was saying. But either way, seeing these guys in their kind of natural habitat as much as can be possible was was just so intriguing to me. And then to see kind of, because while I realized that a lot of it was contrived, these guys, you know, are fighting for jobs. And, and by by this, I really do mean everybody because the, the itchy trigger finger nature of our owner, except crazily, or well, I shouldn't say it like that, curiously, with respect to our, uh, our, our dogged head coach who, you know, I think at, at the beginning of the series, Hugh really kind of came across as a sympathetic figure. And as the whole, which kind of got me really uh, excited about the season and feeling better about things, because I kind of look at him as the catalyst of our problems the last two years more than any other single factor, unless, unless, and it's always important to throw this caveat in, unless we were tanking. Because if we were tanking these last two years, then you got to kind of throw out a lot of the analysis, because they, if they weren't trying to win, then, then what do we and, and Plus, that also can provide some optimism for the future. But, you know, I always say this, that if you are either successful or unsuccessful at anything, and this isn't related to just sports or football or anything, it's just anything in life, if you either want to replicate that success or avoid duplicating that future failure, then you've got to be honest with yourself about what's going on here So, and about what happened. Because if you're dishonest and you want to pump yourself up and say, well, you know, it was everybody, it was the entire rest of the world's fault that this thing didn't happen. You know, I, I did everything that I was supposed to do, but this guy didn't come through or that person didn't do what they were supposed to do or whatever. And if that's if that's true, okay, well then the, the action step is to get yourself around better people and so on and so forth. But if if it's not true and you're just telling yourself that in order to feel better, well, you may accomplish that. You may end up feeling better about the situation, but are you actually going to solve your real problem? Uh, it's something to think about. And from our standpoint, 
it doesn't do me any good to say, well, we were just tanking the last two years, so Hugh isn't really that bad of a coach. Um, that could be the case, but I just don't know that. And then seeing his interaction with the play, and, and he does seem to have, the one thing that we really, over the last couple of years, seem to give him his due and because the rest of it is just so so terribly bad but the way that he relates to the players is something that's always been kind of been a strong suit and it certainly looked like that throughout the course of this entire broadcast presentation the question then becomes will that you know kind of translate to game day and then at the same time you see things that i gotta tell you the, the first episode when he probably the most um I don't know, noteworthy, impactful, meaty, weighty uh, item of the entire five-episode part was Hugh in the coach room with all of his guys. And you got Todd Haley, who I, who I just love. <laughs> I think, what a weird guy. But he, he, he seems like perfect addition for – and by the way, I like what he did um, with, with the actual offense during the preseason, which we will get to. But he's talking about how, look, you know, our guys are not – Ready, And I'm thinking about this, you know, here's Todd Haley, who put up, you know, his offense put up 41 points against the friggin' Jaguars in the playoffs last year. And if you don't know, the Jaguars had a pretty good defense last year, and a lot of people were heralding them and are heralding them as being, I think they're they're a little bit overrated just in terms of the, the goo-goo-gaga nature in which people look at them. But whatever, that's that's... I also don't particularly like the Jags, but either way, uh, they, they are a certainly a better-than-average defense, probably the best defense that Pittsburgh faced last year, and Haley's offense, granted, they had a lot of guys making spectacular plays in that game, but still, they put up a ton of points. He still gets fired, so now and, and he gets fired from a team that every year has been competing for a championship. All of that to say that he knows what's required in order to be successful. More, more specifically, he has been in a position where he has seen some pretty high-level success, and yet it hasn't been good enough because it, it just hasn't been good enough. And so he's therefore got a much better, I would think, perspective on what it takes to actually win to get to the level that we want to get to, right? I mean, we if we want to – in fact, he even said that. If we want to get to where we want to get to, then we have to get better we just have to get better we have to get tougher and it was in the context of players uh taking off and 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 kind of the the cozy way in which the um the the uh pre the training camp to that point schedule had played out and Hugh, you know, I mean, his answer to this was, hey, you know, I appreciate where you're coming from, but I'm in charge. I'm the guy that's calling the shots here. It's my bus. I'm going to drive it. I've been where you are. And, you know, he didn't say this, but with all due respect, you can go pound sand. And, and to me, that's just like, okay, Hugh, what exactly have you done? I mean, and I'm not – yeah, I get it that he's the head coach, but you're a head coach with the worst record in the history of the game. So what exact – where do you get off telling somebody that has obviously been – I mean, I think Haley was even a more successful head coach than Hugh has been. I mean, I, I would have just – and I get, yeah, you have to assert authority in your own way. But, you know, I also – and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that – not that what I have to say about this or anything is should have or does have any sort of real weight behind it. But still, I've been a manager for much of my adult career, 
and not to say that I've been a great one, but I've, I've had success and I've had failure. And just from my perspective, I think that if you are somebody, and as I've observed things, if you have to go around telling everybody you're the boss, then there's got to be some doubt about it. It's kind of like the, the life axiom that I have, that if you are as bad as you say you are, then you don't have to say it. So if someone's walking around talking about how rough and tough and big and bad they are, yeah, there's, there's probably a reason why they're trying to convince somebody, and it may be their, themselves. Be that as it may, that whole interaction really um, put a bad taste. It just what it did. It, I was going to say put a bad taste in my mouth, but ultimately the bad taste has been there. We've all we all have a bad taste in our mouth and a, and a stain on our our football spirit because we've we've watched this terrible putrid performance over the last two years. And I just as I watched that, I'm thinking to myself, how many times over the last two years has somebody said to Hugh, you know, coach, we got to we got to we got to do this. We got to sharpen up. We got it. We just got to have better focus or whatever it is. And Hugh's answer to that has been, hey, I hear what you're saying, but I'm the boss. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me is what I'm getting at if that's if that's actually what's been going on here. And it would definitely stand to reason why we've had this sort of – because if you are you know, intransigent or recalcitrant, if you're just kind of you, – you can't listen to – you can't take anybody's uh, criticism because you know, you're if, – if you're one of those types of people, then that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. You're not honest then with yourself about why you have been successful or have failed. And it's one – one thing, for example, to go back to last year when Hugh really won the the uh, contest that he had with Sashi Brown to win Jimmy Haslam's effect, uh, affection, basically to keep his job, and Sashi Brown was a, you know, a, therefore took you know got the axe as far as, as as it were. So it's one thing to win the marketing contest to convince people that you know that you just didn't have good enough players to win, but it's a whole other thing to actually believe. Because I'm here to tell you, that team last year could have won a game or two. And how do I know that? Because I remember watching the expansion teams from 1999 and 2000, and I... I don't care. I don't. If, if you don't know, okay, that the talent that we had the last two years was way better. I mean, not just a little bit better, but significantly better than what we were rolling out there in 1999 and 2000. If you don't know that, well, then you either didn't watch those teams or you've got a, uh, well, th- okay, then, then I will just say it like this. Then you and I have irreconcilable differences on the matter because those teams that Chris Palmer trotted out there in 1999 and 2000, they functionally had no offensive line. Forget pass rush or tackling ability or, I mean, we had a, a fairly decent quarterback, but the guy was under the gun the entire time, and, and the, the poor kid was just beaten to a bloody pulp talking about Tim Couch, the last quarterback we drafted uh, higher than uh, 21 overall b- uh, before this year when we took the soon-to-be great Baker Mayfield. And so it, 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 looking at that, I understand the, the quarterback rooms being what they are, but there is no excuse. The point is there is no excuse for 1-31, and unless, unless we were tanking that whole time. But if Hugh was looking at the situation, and I, look, I can, I can, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into a whole big Hugh versus Sashi thing. We've, we've beaten that whole subject to death. That's not the point of this. The point of it is, is that it's one thing to win the marketing contest in order to keep your job, in order to buy yourself some time to where when you do kind of get everybody, um, 
you know, situated and and up to speed that you can be successful. It's one thing to say that from a marketing standpoint. It's another thing to actually believe it, right? So if he really believes that his coaching was both hunky and dory simultaneously, but he himself just was just did not have, you know, the talent to win. If he actually believes that, well, then what we're dealing with is somebody that is probably not going to be successful because he's not being honest with himself and he hasn't been honest with himself about why we are the way that we are. And that's the, that whole exchange. And it only was about now, look, a couple of caveats to that. His mother and his brother had just passed away. Right. So I'm going to extend some grace. The other uh, a caveat to it is he is in front of a camera. So maybe that was a, um, you know, a moment where he was just, you know, hamming it up and he's not really like that all the time. But if that's authentically who he is and if that leads to a and, and by the way, I was very much on the giving him the benefit of the doubt you know, train of thought when that first episode happened. But as I've kind of seen the other four, the ensuing four broadcast paint a picture and then watch the game, all of the, the games were, were, were certainly an improvement. And, and again, we're going to get into all that as, as we uh, go, go through all of this, but it comes back to a, a picture that is fully painted here that at least to my mind uh, corroborates a lot of the, the concerns that I had, which is that the guy is, and you know, look, you know me, I'm maybe you don't know me. I've been somebody that has, has really been of the mindset and and been pounding the pulpit for really the last four years that I've been a part of the august fraternity that is the dogsbynature.com community that we have a problem that are that the that the main source of our problems has been the constant churn and the turnover in both the front office and the coaching staff and even with that even with that i still think that um it, it may be that we we are spinning our wheels here with hugh jackson which is to say that um which is to say that even though I think everybody is on board that we have improved our roster substantially since Meathead uh, went and, and took an axe to it during the uh, the beginning of the offseason on, on down, uh, even, even if I don't expect a, a giant turnaround in the win total until Baker Mayfield gets on the field because I just don't see – us being improved in the one area where we were the most deficient the last two years, and that's with our coaching. Time will tell, but if the if I'll, I'll say it like this: if that that exchange and some of the other ones that we saw throughout the course of the episodes on Hard Knocks and what appears to have been the case the last two years in the sidelines, then I just and, and again you have to you have to go a long way to get me to say something like this. Then I just don't ever see it getting getting there for Hugh. Having said that, you know even as bad as Hugh has been doesn't mean that he can't get better. People can improve. You know, the three-year thing is not just for players. You know, coaches can improve. And look, if we go out there tomorrow and just bust the Steelers in the mouth and you know, just beat them up and beat them down, then, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have a whole different attitude about all of this. And it's also going to corroborate some of my um, uh, theories about us having tanked the last two years. Because if we go out there tomorrow and just go out there and, and bust them up all over the place, well, that's not, a, that's not necessarily just a talent thing. Uh, although I love Tyrod Taylor, I don't see him as somebody that's going to be lighting up the scoreboard. I do think that he's the type of guy that can win if we adopt the strategy that I have been, uh, for one, advocating for since forever, which is the old ground-and-pound method, which is you just uh, line up, run straight at him, pound him, pound him, pound him, three yards in a cloud of dust, all that, and you win games, you know, 12 to 6. You know, having said that, it's 
not they, that, that's a, that's a model that really isn't followed a whole lot in the NFL anymore. And it may not just be because passing games are are what's preferred. It's it's well, okay, I shouldn't say it like that. Passing games are preferred, and it may be more than for just the reason that that uh, guy that the, that the running game is no longer in vogue. It has probably more to do with the fact that defensive players are just so much more. I mean, for as bad as we were last year, we were really good at stopping the run. And maybe it's just that that defenses are are such that uh, that that the running game and the in the style that what I just described that whole model of you run the ball you run the ball you run the ball you run it until they until they make you stop running it and then the and make the quarterback beat you meanwhile you play solid defense don't turn the ball over and you win close low scoring games by basically wearing out the defense and limiting the amount of opportunities that the offense has that's basically the model that when Chuck Knoll of the Stillers retired in. Uh, 1992, before the 1992 season, Chuck uh, Chuck Noll retired. Bill Cowher took over, and that's exactly what Bill Cowher did. He brought the team back to that kind of ground and pound method, and that's how they won. For like, well, that I mean, that's how they played, and that's how they won all the way up until he retired. Uh, Bill Cowher. So when they won their first Super Bowl with Pigpen, that's what they did, and it worked because uh, it does work. It's it's worked throughout the annals of, uh, of NFL history. But I just don't know if it works today. And the reason I don't know if it works today is because I don't see any, any other teams doing it. And it's a copycat league. I, I have a hard time believing that if it was an effective strategy out there, that, uh, that other teams... I mean, I guess you could say the Jaguars kind of sort of do it because Blake Bortles is oh so terrible. Uh, but even still, you know, when they beat the Steelers last year, they put up a lot of points. They did a lot of it in the passing game. And ultimately, you know, the thing about that is that style that I'm talking about, you can win with that style. You can win a whole bunch of games with that style. You can even win divisions and um, and, and make runs. But, you know, what they discovered is that without that guy that could go toe-to-toe with the, with the really, truly good passers in the league, you're just not going to win the, the big games. You're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. The Steelers got nowhere with Neil O'Donnell until they finally did get to the Super Bowl, and then he throws two of the, of the most hilarious interceptions of all time right to Larry Brown, who got a big contract out of the whole deal. And then they went with Cordell Stewart after that, which was even more hilarious. And so it wasn't until they got Roethlisberger that they were actually in a spot where they could, um, they could actually you know, make a run and, and win which they, they ultimately did. And so while I'm not averse to the notion of doing that sort of style, and I think that we could win with it, point is, is that even if, we were to, even if we were to do that and we were to reel off you know, a big win, win 11 or 12 games, and that may sound like just total craziness to, uh, to everybody, but look, it could happen. It could, it could absolutely happen. You do what I'm talking about and do it effectively. Uh, 11, 12 games, that's not, that's not out of the realm of possibility at all. But... When you get into the playoffs, that's when you're going to start going against the best quarterbacks in the league. And look, I I love Tyrod Taylor. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. There's a reason why he was available for a third-round pick. And I know that this is something that's a a source of consternation whenever I bring this up to people. And I I love Tyrod Taylor. This is not meant to be a slam on him. And he is, when you compare him to the guys that we've had in the past, the Brian Hoyboys and the even even guys that I love like Josh McCown or, uh, you know, Jake Delhomey or whoever, whoever it is, Seneca Wallace, whoever it is that has been on the team in the past, Tyrod is the the proto version of that. He's better than any of those guys. And I have no problem saying that. And I love Tyrod Taylor as a man. I think that he is the perfect, the 
perfect bridge quarterback. And by the way, jumping back into the third preseason game after looking like he broke his hand off, uh, you just that, that, got to got to hand it, got to give it to the guy for the toughness shown there. Probably the toughest uh, you know QB move that I've ever seen. But all of that to say, he's not the guy that's going to stand there in the pocket and make the tough throws in a clutch situation to win you a game. He's just not going to do it. He's proven that with the Bills. I think he showed that a lot during the preseason. And I hate to, you know, and I hate to, to talk like this because it just it, it sounds like I'm running the guy down. And I I love the guy. I think that. Of all the guys we could have got to do this role, he was the best. He was the he not only was the best that we could have gotten. He's probably the best that I've ever seen in that role. He's just he's perfect for it. But you don't you don't have access to quarterbacks unless a the team that you're getting them from is really 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 dumb, which is possible. It's totally possible that the Bills are dumb in this case. I mean they did go out and get McCarron and then uh, Josh Allen, and I think they're starting Peterman. So yeah, okay, there, there's certainly some suspect. Um, decisions being made there so maybe we did luck out and yeah you look at, at Taylor's record and you know this touchdown interception ratio th- there's reasons to to be optimistic I just don't think that in the long run he's the guy which okay look in the long run he's not going to be the guy we all know that the guy is going to be Baker Mayfield I just I, I I think that the the what the limited amount that we saw on the hard knocks and the probably more detailed version of what we saw during the preseason I think right now, and I've thought this really – I've been pretty consistent about this. And you all know where I stand on Mayfield. I think Mayfield right now is a better option than Tyrod Taylor. And I know that gets people's dander up. I just look at it like I think that Mayfield right now is going to be more prone to challenge defenses than Tyrod Taylor will. Does that mean that he'll throw more interceptions? Yes. Does that mean that he will make more rookie mistakes? Sure. Absolutely it does. Does it mean that we will win more games? I think it does. I think if Baker started more games or started, he would win more games than than Tyrod will ultimately if he starts. Because I think that during the course of the season, he's going to improve. And I think the improvement in this kid is going to be more rapid. I think it's all – look, people during – I saw this all throughout the course of the preseason where people are saying, wow, I can't believe this. You know, he's already so advanced looking in his pocket presence and the the, the touch that he shows and the the way that he kind of leads the offense and the pre-snap stuff. Look, guys, I mean, far be it for me to say I told you so. I'm not going to do that. I'm just saying it was all there. It was all there on the film at Oklahoma. All of it. Everything that he's doing was there to be seen. So seeing it now is is not a surprise and I would like to see more of it. In other words, there is the, the, the clay that we have here from which to mold is is the best clay that we've ever seen. I mean, it, it, those of us that have been around for a long time. I, I should say for the Browns. So let's start let's start doing it. You're not in other words I don't think that you're gaining anything. And this is a philosophical thing. I mean I get people can have, good people can have different opinions on this. But there is no one size fits all way of doing the quarterback thing. There there are guys that would do better, right? They they are they should sit when you draft them. There are other guys that you should play them right away. And for some of those guys that should sit but end up playing right away it wrecks them and then there are other guys that are that should 
uh, sit and play right away that ultimately end up being fine. And similarly, there are guys that should play, but they sit at first and it just totally destroys their their development and, and they never recover from it. And similarly, there are guys that, that should play that sit and that end up being fine. And that'll end up being Mayfield, uh, the way that this all plays out. But every individual situation is different, is the point. And in our case, Mayfield was a guy that was turnkey ready to go. So by playing him, and again, it's not the end of the world. I'm not sitting here complaining about it that we that we're not going to start Mayfield and we are thus, you know, making the biggest mistake in the world. It's just it's just not the most optimal use of the resources that we have at our disposal is all. And probably it's going to end lead to uh, the demise of Hugh Jackson. I think that when all of this is said and done, and I realize this goes against the the hype um, model that a lot. I'm just not. I'm just not there, I'm, and I'm not going to be there ultimately until Mayfield is starting uh, every game, and that's. And that's going to happen at some point. This year, that's going to happen at some point. Because the idea that Taylor, first of all, is going to start and be healthy an entire season, if it were to happen, it'd be the first time that it happened, right? Because he gets, he, he's got a history for getting hurt. And also, you know, when you got a guy with a bad head coach and who has a problem, you know, challenging defenses, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to struggle, guys. It's going to happen. And, and while I'm not hoping for it, I'm just saying that I don't, I don't expect for us tomorrow, for example, to go out there and beat the Steelers. I know that a lot of people do, and I, I hope it does. I would, although I guess it, there's even a question now as to whether the game's even going to be played. We got like monster conditions going on out there. But I think what's going to end up happening is Tyrod's going to go out there, thyroid, as is affectionately referred to by me. And he's going to do what he's always done. He's going to not challenge defenses when he's got open looks. He's going to do checkdowns. And we saw we saw a lot of this during the preseason. He's going to do a lot of checkdowns. And there's going to be a lot of three and outs. At some point, Hugh will force Haley to abandon the running game. And if you doubt that's going to happen, I mean, we'll just watch and we'll, we'll all watch and see it happen ourselves. And that will lead to a relatively anemic offense. The defense will play well enough to win, but it won't matter. And we'll end up losing the game something like 19-6. to six. And that will be and and that will be kind of how it is for us for the first handful of games until either uh, Hugh figures all right well we're one and four we're we're zero and six or whatever we are and it's time to put Baker in there but at that point it may be that that uh, Jimmy Haslam pulls the plug on Hugh Jackson you know Hugh doing this is and, and this is what's kind of it's it's I understand Hugh's decision-making here. He feels like with Taylor, he's got a veteran. He's got the best chance to win. I just think that it's a miscalculation. And if you think that that I'm wrong here, well, then what you're saying is that you are agreeing with Hugh Jackson's, uh, you know, quarterback evaluation process, which, hey, look, it, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not judging you. I'm saying look at the record yourself and tell me if that's the, the position that you want to be in. Okay, fine. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I, I ain't judging you. I don't even know, you know, what you're thinking, but I'm just telling you that where I'm coming from, if, if Hugh Jackson is disagreeing with my, um, with my quarterback evaluation, then I feel pretty good about my quarterback evaluation. You know what I'm saying? And in, in this case, my quarterback evaluation on, on Mayfield was it predated anything that uh, that Hugh had to say about it. Although the hee-hee thing was, was, was quite awesome <laughs> when it all came to pass. Be that as it may, at some point this year, Baker is going to play. And that's when I'm going to start getting hype because that's when the real development and advancement of this franchise begins is when Baker Mayfield is on the – because he's the future. He's the future of this franchise. 
and the gulf of talent between Taylor and Mayfield, I, I mean, look, if it exists, it's not big. And, it, and like I say, it doesn't exist. Actually, the gulf is between, it's, it's in the other direction. And I know, people, you're, you're, you're crazy easy, or you're, you're just a, you're, uh, you're a, uh, you're, a homer for Mayfield, and, and you know, you're just honking for the guy, and you're out of your mind, and da-da-da. Fine. Cool. Time is going to bear this out. And I've got no problem uh, letting my opinion on this uh, stand against the, the uh, evidence that rolls in. And just like every other time, like, for example, I said that if we drafted Mayfield, that he would be the starter. I was wrong. I, I didn't say that I wanted him to be the starter, although I did. I said that I thought he would be the starter. And here we are the day before. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. By the way, BIC, believe in Cleveland, the dude that I was commiserating with uh, early in the um, the draft season process. Dude, you and I had a bet on this, and I hope that you're still out there and you are well, but we had a bet on this that if uh, you were right, I would owe you a 12 or a Dr. Pepper, and that if I was right, you would owe me a 12 pack of, or a, a 12 bottles of Mr. Pibb, and you were right, I was, I was wrong, my friend, so hit me up, and I will honor our, our uh, arrangement. But the reason that I thought that we were going to start Mayfield is that when we saw him on the field, that the talent was just going to be so overwhelmingly obvious, and it is, and it was, that Hugh would say, well, look, there's not really that much of a functional difference between Tyrod and uh, Mayfield, and I might as well go with the rookie. In other words, I figured that he would acquiesce the common sense on all of this. He hasn't, and fine. I, I, I should have seen that coming. Others did. You were right. I was wrong. Can't say that more effusively. But okay, fine. Um, I, and look, if uh, if if it goes like this, right? If if May, if Taylor goes out there and and looks competent and he plays well, and we start off like three and two or something like that, and then he gets hurt and Mayfield comes in and looks like a clumsy rookie, then let me have it, okay? Just un- unload on me with both barrels. I am happy to take it. But I'm here to tell you that's not how this is going to go down. And if when when Mayfield gets on the field against with with the first team which at no point during any of this was he with the first team which I think is a pretty important thing <laughs> excuse me Hugh has been so um again use the word intransigent and recalcitrant on this that he has just even refused to consider putting him with the ones and look maybe there's a a, a philosophical reason you know he, he's trying to get in Mayfield's head and I'll, I'll even grant him because he does have that relationship with the players if that's what this is all about all right cool Fine, cool. I will I will give Hugh the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this, but I don't think that that's what this is about. I think what this is about is uh, a total CYA. He is coaching for his life, and so he thinks that by putting in the veteran, it's going to be a better option than putting in the rookie because – you know, it's the because in a vacuum, a veteran is going to be better than a rookie. If all things are equal, then a veteran is going to be better than a rookie. But here's the thing: not all things are equal. Baker Mayfield is not Deshaun Kaiser, okay? And Tyrod Taylor is—I don't know who who you would uh, correlate to. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is great as far as a mentor is concerned, but Tyrod Taylor is not the type of guy that's going to be able to come onto this team and overcome the shortcomings that we have. And the shortcoming—the biggest shortcoming that we have—is the head coach. Mayfield can because Mayfield is special and Taylor isn't and and that's not again it's not a, it's not a slam Tyrod Taylor is probably a top 25 quarterback in the league and there's very few people in in the world that can lay claim to that and for us shoot that's going to that's way better than what we've had it's just not good enough to overcome what we have going on right now which is our, no, it's okay so 
I've said what I've got to say about this. Time will tell. Um, and so I go into this now with the expectation that uh, if, if Taylor starts the season and plays the majority of the games, we're looking at about four wins. And and that, look, that'd be an improvement, certainly. Uh, but but Mayfield is going to get on the field at some point this year, either because Taylor doesn't perform or more likely he gets hurt uh, or and you just got to hold this out as a possibility. We, we continue the losing and Hugh gets axed halfway through the year and whoever that comes in to take over says, well, why the hell don't we just start Mayfield? I mean, why don't we start him to see what we have in the kid? And then when he gets on the field, people are going to be like, what the hell are we waiting for? He's got it. He's ready to go, which if you watched during the preseason and this is a good segue to get into this make Baker Mayfield. When watching him throughout the course of the preseason, you, you, I don't know what else that you're looking for from a rookie quarterback. He's able to read defenses. He's able to get his people in position pre-snap. He's able to navigate the pocket like he's been doing this for 10 years. And he is accurate as all get-out. I don't know what else. To, and the arm strength is – anybody that doubts the arm strength, again, you're just not looking. You're just not seeing what's there because he's got physically whatever it takes to get it done. But the thing about quarterbacks in the NFL is that it's all – all about if, as far as the physical quality is concerned you got to be accurate and the kid is as accurate as anybody i've ever seen not just is he accurate as in terms of hitting the target on uh, you know in the numbers bernie b kig our, uh, our 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 dude our buddy pointed this out during one of the practices and i noticed it throughout the course of the games you ever notice on any of these drag patterns or or dive plays where um or i'm sorry i meant drive plays where he hits the receiver not only in stride, but he puts the ball in front of them so that way they don't break their momentum and continue running after the catch. You notice how consistently he does that? If you go back and watch the... And you don't have to watch the entire game. Go back and just watch his... Because they got these out there all over the place on YouTube where they'll just show all of his throws. Go back and watch his throws, and you'll notice that every single one of them, the, the receiver never has to slow down. He's hitting them in stride, and they are running after the catch every time. Okay, guys, that's special, all right? And the fact that he's able to do what he's doing at the level he's doing right now, that is special. There's no reason for us to wait on this. And again, it sounds like I'm... I'm um like, I'm mad about this, and I'm not. I love Tyrod Taylor, and I'm re- resigned to the fact that this is going to happen this way. I'm just saying there is no reason for us to uh, to wait on it. But we are, and it is what it is, and that's fine. By the way, you disagree with me, hit me up, easyweave at gmail.com, and tell me how very wrong you think I am. Or you can uh, do it in the car- the article that accompanies this. Or just, you know, lambast me on fa- on the Facebook or the Twitter or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm good with taking the, the, the criticism. I'm good with people telling me that you're wrong and you're cocky about it. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with all of that, but I'm just saying uh, we are, we're really kind of wasting time um, not playing Mayfield because the, he's ready. He's ready right now. And, and it, to my mind, I don't know what else he can show to to prove that he's ready until he actually gets on the field and uh, and then we are all going to see. But again, the, uh, the, the quarterback position isn't the only thing that that uh, kind of got more definition as this whole process moved along. Uh, one of the things that you have to, uh, if you if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, okay, and you have, especially if you've been around for a while, well, I think if you are a Browns fan, you have to have been around for a while. Are there any new Browns fans out there? Is there anybody out there that is just like, hey, you know, uh, I realize that they've uh, lost 49 of their last 53 games, but this is the team that I think I'm going to hitch my wagon to. Uh, I, I doubt there's too many people that are out there. So I'm sure that all of y'all that are listening, although not all of you are Browns fans, it's true. 
true. There are people that listen to the DBN network that are not necessarily Browns fans. Keith, I know you're out there, brother. Good to hear from you. Good. Well, always good to have you out there. He's a Raiders dude, and there are other people out there that, that do this. But most of the folks, because, of course, we are Browns fans talking to Browns fans, most of the people out there are, you know, belovers of our of our beloved orange helmets. And so if you've been around for a while then it's i don't think it's possible for you to be around without being wildly wildly uh optimistic and feeling really good about our first pick overall in the 2017 draft miles garrett good god y'all this this young man is ready i mean you know knock on knock on wood but this young man is ready to, I, okay i have a i have some uh, some friends their clients actually but you know, during the uh, they're, they're sports guys, and during the draft process, they I, I told them how much I love Baker Mayfield, and they were giving me the business the whole time. Like, no way that guy's going to be the the first pick overall. Well, then he was, and they actually got me a Mayfield jersey, which I'm I'm, I'm pretty I'm, I'll be I'll be donning for the first time tomorrow during the game, as a matter of fact. But uh, and I will be wearing when the uh, the Browns play down here against the Yuccaneers in a couple of uh, weeks. But the the uh, <laughs> the uh, when the uh, the Eagles game. That the one that was nationally televised. They, I, I talked to him after that, and they said, "Look, that guy you got, Miles Garrett. If he stays healthy all year, you're looking at defensive MVP candidate." And I don't know if you watched during the preseason, he was wrecking fools. He was absolutely embarrassing people out there. I am so over the moon excited. That's why I say the defense is, is the defense is poised to be tremendously improved this year if Miles Garrett is on the field and plays and starts all 16 games. Particularly when you combine the other players who are in that front seven. Emmanuel Ogba, I'm real. I'm. Oh, I, I love all you people, but I am. I am definitely getting a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit weary of the complaining that seems to happen about Emmanuel Ogba. When, when I watched this kid last year, he's only he's going into his third year. And when I watched him last year, I saw a beast on the left side. I saw a guy that was a wrecking crew. That yeah, okay, he doesn't have. He, he's not the most polished pass rusher of all time. But for crying out loud, you're talking about a guy that has got measurably about the same measurables combine that Garrett had. He just he's just not as freakish coming out of the box as Garrett is. But he's got all the talent in the world. Those two combined with Garrett, who's going to be commanding double teams, uh, and then you throw in Larry Ogunjobi and <clears throat> an entirely reva- revamped interior after uh, letting go of, and we're going to talk about some of the releases that were a bit of a surprise, letting go of guys like Caleb Brantley uh, after trading guys like Danny Shelton earlier on uh, this offseason. Uh, point is, that front seven looks beastly, especially when you get into the linebacker core, and so I expect us to be able to get pressure on the passer, and a lot of it has to do with uh, number 95, which did you see what uh, Alejandro Villanueva, the uh, Raver, the Ra- the, Ra- the Steelers left tackle, uh, had to say about uh, about this, because you know, the Steelers right now are in a spot where they're all, they're, they're bellyaching over uh, Le'Veon Bell, which I, I think it's great, I think any sort of discord is good uh, for that for that organization that I hate with all my, with all my being, but they are uh, they they're, they're all they all got their knickers in a twist over this because he hasn't reported he is he's holding out for more money and okay cool um I, I'm uh, uh, I got no problem with players holding out for more cash. I think that in the NFL you 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 have such a a small window in which to cash in at the position that you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but Villanueva was talking about this. He's like, look, uh, other people are, uh, are are complaining about this. I'm not thinking about Le'Veon Bell. I'm thinking about 95 for Cleveland. 
And in the same tweet, he says, have you seen 95 for Cleveland? And, hey, that's that's what's up. If you haven't seen 95 for Cleveland, um, you're going to be seeing him on some all-pro teams and then some uh, Pro Bowl rosters for many years to come. So there's lots to be excited about when it comes to the talent that is on this team, uh, particularly with the I – mean, I mean, somebody was talking yesterday about um, hype, you know, bring the hype back. I'm like, you want to be hyped? Be hyped about Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett because we are, we are talking about – and whatever else happens with the roster, and we have seen – I think Hugh said in the uh, final Hard Knocks edition that we had we had like 59% of the roster was was uh, blown up and replaced over the course of the which hey blow up paradigm it's what happens it's what happens you replace a GM and you're going to get this and this doesn't be a, a criticism it's what it is I'm not trying to say that Dorsey did a bad job in fact I think Dorsey did a great job uh, all things considered when you look at the the bold and he did he made bold moves in this off season and I got to say we we still have our first round pick. We still have all of our picks next year and an additional third and I think a couple of sevens. Uh, so we didn't really sacrifice any future draft capital. And I'm pretty happy with the way that he has stacked the roster. He went all the way with it. And OK, cool. But he's definitely making it in his image. And as happens, when that happens, you're going to end up losing guys that previous regimes invested in. And such was the case. We had already mentioned Danny Shelton and Caleb Brantley, uh, guys like Carl Nassib and Nate Orchard. Orchard was a was a Ray Farmer uh, investment for crying out loud several years ago. Uh, you know, spent. Spencer Drango, these are all players that I would have thought you know, would have been in consideration, certainly, for but but they weren't guys that he brought in. And this is the thing, guys, I don't I, I mean, this is just the way it is. And this is not the way things ought to be. This is just the way things are. And if you don't believe me, just I mean, use your eyes, man. Go back and look. This is not hard to see. You bring in a new GM, he's going to want his guys. And this isn't this isn't a, a matter of right and wrong, good or evil. It's a matter of cause and effect. You fire a guy, then bring in a new GM, he's going to g- get rid of guys that the other guy brought in because he wants to bring in his dudes, and such has happened here. And, this is, and I'm not, I don't even care, because I said at the beginning of the offseason that if he drafted Baker Mayfield, we're good. We're good. I'm pretty much good with anything else the guy does if he drafts Mayfield. Uh, now I'll also throw in the caveat that if he does any monkeying around with um, with <laughs> with uh, Miles Garrett, I'm going to be pretty upset. But uh, if but outside of that, uh, if you know if he. He did the right thing there, so I'm pretty much good with whatever else he does throughout the course of the uh, his tenure as Browns GM, which I hope is a long one because I actually like Meathead and I like uh, what he's done with the team, and I and I like more than anything the idea of somebody being in place for a long time. You realize I've made this point before: the Steelers have had the same head coach, or I should say, the Steelers have had um, in the last well, I think it's like 47 years now they've had three head coaches. Think about that. We've had three head coaches in the past, what, five years? Hugh being in his third year is actually a really, 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 really big deal. Naturally, we would pick the worst head coach we've had throughout that entire time uh, before deciding to stick with the guy. But whatever. It's what it is. So as long as... 
uh, excuse me, we um, we drafted Mayfield. I was good with whatever he did. We did, and so I'm good. But it's just to say, there were some surprises with uh, with some of the people that we let go. And the, the roster is very much uh, now shaped in his image. Now, having said that, I think that he made some some pretty like bold and good moves. Uh, I was very gratified, and not in any particular order here, but I liked seeing the pickup of Carl Davis. That was a guy that I wanted us to draft, had some character issues, which, by the way, it looks like we're past that point. You know, in our uh, in our in our epoch, I mean, we we had Johnny Manziel, and he had the character issues, and so there was really kind of an emphasis for the last couple of years of not getting guys with character issues. Well, that's totally off the wall now because we we you know we obviously we drafted Antonio Callaway, and we picked up Carl Davis, and we uh, we took um, you know Michael Kendricks, which that worked out worked out. I saw the guy might be facing twenty five years in prison, which. You know, insider trading. It's uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into a, uh, uh, a you know cultural analysis on that sort of thing. It just seems it, I, I definitely do agree with some of the analysis people have made that you look at some of the other things that guys have done in the league and didn't face anywhere near that sort of scrutiny about it, it's it's what it is. But you know, we we uh, we offloaded him and it's, look, it's fine. I'm actually not really even a little bit upset about that move because honestly, I was kind of wanting to see more of Gennard Avery anyway. And that dude looks like he was an absolute steal uh, in the fifth round we got that guy. And you look at the way that he was able to rush the passer and move around. And, and actually, look, this is a good uh, point to break off here. You look at Dorsey's entire draft to this point. Of course, everybody knows where I stand on Mayfield. Going to be a star. Uh, Denzel Ward, I, you know, to me, he's looked solid. He got hurt in that um, in that second game or third game. I forget which one it was. But, but he looks like he's going to be fine for the opener. And and um, I, I, nothing, no, nothing to complain about there. He's looked, he's looked very good early. Austin Corbett's kind of an odd thing because he looked like he was going to be penciled in to start at left guard when they moved Joe Batonio over to left tackle. They have since now relinquished, and now they got undrafted rookie free agent Desmond Harrison. Which I mean, you know, I mean, this to me just just reeks of Hugh. Um, it just it's just a very huge thing to do. I, I I hope it works out. You know, it'd be great if we were, you know, if we were able to you realize that in this in this draft, it was it was a a very very weak draft class when it came to tackles, specifically left tackles. I think the last broadcast I talked about this a lot or one of the articles I wrote a couple of weeks ago I talked about this a lot. It was a very poor class for tackles. So we didn't draft one, but we got one through undrafted free agency and that now guy is going to start in the first game for us. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm very skeptical. And so that means that uh, that Batonio, Joel Batonio, goes back over to left guard, and we're going to have Corbett available. I guess what that means is that now, since we don't have a functional uh, backup center on the squad, that he's going to be our backup. So he's going to be basically the backup everywhere, which causes a lot of consternation in folks because it reminds them of Cameron Irving, uh, to which I need to remind that uh, by the way, Cameron Irving was just signed to a contract extension by the Chefs. So, I don't know. Take take that information and do with it what you will. But Cameron Irving and Austin Corbett are not the same players. They're not it's not the same situation. So drafting a guy and and, and this goes to the whole thought process. Well, we draft a guy at number 33 and he absolutely has to be starting his rookie year or else everybody in the organization failed and ought to be fired. I, guys, that is such asinine. And no no with with, with all due respect. <laughs> 
that is that is that, I mean that, that that's just that's that's just banana sandwich. That is such craziness because everybody comes along differently. And for a guy that you know, if they if they don't think that the best use of their resources as a team is to start Austin Corbett in the first game, now look, they could be wrong about that. Sorry, I had to adjust the microphone there. They could be wrong about that. But to say just point blank that a guy was drafted in this spot and thus since he's not playing right away, it's an automatic failure. To me, that's just uh, that's just asinine beyond words. For example, our starting quarter, our, the number one pick overall isn't starting with the first game. Does that mean that it was a bad pick? I don't know. Maybe you could take that point of view, but it's just it's just not it's just not a a school of thought that I subscribe to. Not that I need to subscribe to any school of thought in order for it to have any sort of. Uh, you know, wait, but I'm just telling you where I come from. Anyway, time will tell. I thought that Austin Corbett, for the most part, looked solid in his uh, stints there in the preseason when he was playing, and I think that he's ready to go at, at one of the guard spots, it, 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 though apparently he wasn't, uh, he couldn't cut the mustard at, which is an interesting expression, by the way, cutting the mustard, but he couldn't do it at left tackle. So they moved him to left guard, and it looked like he was able to handle himself there, but now he's not going to play, so it is what it is. Uh, Nick Chubb, who we took at 35, you know, that guy looks like he, I got to tell you, the comp that I see from him is uh, a younger Jamal Lewis. That's what he looks like to me. He looks, that's, he, he looks, that guy looks like, it looks like he's going to be really, really good. Although Carlos Hyde, uh, what do you, I mean, it, it looks like Chubb's going to have to, which is a good situation for us to be in, by the way. We got a lot more talent on this team than we've had in years past. Looks like Carlos Hyde is going to be tough to get out of the lineup. He looked very, very good in this preseason. So you have Hyde and Chubb coming off the bench looking like a younger Jamal Lewis. Um, you know, a, a good, a good looking pick there for, for old Meathead. And then after that, you know, we picked up uh, uh, Chad Thomas, who didn't really play a whole lot, but he made the roster over guys like Orchard and uh, and Nassib, and then and then we picked up uh, Callaway, who you know did, showed a lot in his first game, didn't really do a giant amount in the rest of the preseason, but there's a lot of talent there. Uh, all you had to do was look at his tape from Florida. He's a, he's a very very talented guy, and so I'm 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 like, but he's another one that is got these character you know concerns, which with him it's the character concerns are just you know kind of influences. He needs to just. You know, just kind of keep his head down. He'll be all right, I think. But the talent is there. And it looks like a very good draft pick. Avery looks like a very good draft pick. And then uh, the, the last couple of selections, uh, Ratliff and uh, who's the guy? Simeon Thomas didn't make the team. But, I mean, that's pretty pretty good. I mean, if if, if those guys – I'm looking at like four or five guys there that could that could pan out. And if that happens, this is one of the best drafts maybe ever. But for the You realize that for us to get a guy out of a single draft class – uh, to make it on the team for more than a couple of years. I'm not even talking about being good. I'm just talking about lasting for a couple of years is is a pretty big deal for us. As it happens, we traded away Coco Coleman in the uh, uh, first part of the preseason, and, you know, I'm not really sure that anybody is uh, is uh, very broken up over that. Uh, I certainly am not after watching the the hard knocks uh, portrayal of all that, where he basically wasn't performing well, wasn't taking kind of criticism, got benched, complained about it, said y'all should just trade me. So they did, and I got to hand it to him. That was uh, that, that's 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 not that, that's a that's a that's a pretty good message to send to the rest of the team. So I and I don't want to totally act like every you know every part of the organization is uh, is is out of sync and, and going the wrong way. I mean we could be looking at it at a big turnaround here. I'm just skeptical that it's going to happen as quickly as everybody else is hoping for it. Now 
you know, if uh, if if Baker gets in there early, or if Tyrod, look, if Tyrod, if I'm wrong and they're able to go out there and win some games with Tyrod, then great. I mean, that would be the best thing. That really would. That that would just make everything because then Baker gets in there whenever he gets in there, and I don't think the sitting's going to hurt him at all. But uh, it, it would it would be nice because that means that Hugh doesn't have to get fired. And while I am not a fan of Hugh Jackson, I well, I shouldn't say it like that. I like Hugh Jackson. I, I'm not a fan of the way that uh, that that he did the whole Sashi thing, but like we've talked about before, Sashi's hands weren't exactly clean, and it had to do with the way that Jimmy Haslam runs the organization. So whatever, I'm not going to get too too bent out of shape over all of that. But uh, I, I I like Hugh as far as it goes, but more importantly than that, our our staying together, our keeping this whole thing together, is so much more preferable than going halfway through the year, blowing up, and now we got a new coach coming in. Who probably, you know, a lot of people think that uh, if that Dorsey would be the one that would make the decision to replace him and then hire his successor, we cannot assume that. You cannot assume that that is the way that it will play out. What would like, what would more likely happen is Haslam fires Hugh, and then Haslam hires the coach and introduces him to Dorsey and says. Make this work and then they all report to Haslam as has been the case all the way through all of this uh, I would prefer the 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 uh, former model where you know uh, Dorsey is the one that makes these decisions and he goes and he hires his coach and the coaches uh, reports to him and all of that it's just it's it's just not the way typically things have worked within this organization so um, that's why I say the best case scenario would be for it to work out with Hugh. I'm skeptical if that's possible, but I'm hopeful that it can happen. And if it does, well then, hey, you know, we got the talent that is on this team. This is the point. The talent that is on this team can stand up with anybody. I know people find that you know crazy to believe, but particularly once we get Mayfield in the game, and I know I realize he's a rookie. I don't care. Watch the tape. Go back and watch what the kid did in college, and it shouldn't surprise you at all what he was able to do in the preseason. And it really further should not surprise you when he gets on the field and does it in the regular season when he's playing with the ones. At whatever point this year that happens, and when it does happen. I mean, you can be surprised if you want to, pleasantly so, but it it won't be surprising to a lot of people that scouted him and watched him throughout the course of all of this because it's there. It's there for everybody to see. Okay, fine. Whether or not Mayfield's on the field or not, Tyrod Taylor is a much more talented quarterback than we've had here in this Jag role uh, in the past, in this mentor role. So, But then you look at the rest of the roster, unless we've just created a sieve-type situation on the left side of the offensive line, we can, we can play. We can play with any team that's out there, where I think our deficiency, particularly since it looks like Demarius Randall is a uh, significant improvement at the free safety position than what we had there last year. Hey, I'll even give up Jabril Peppers his due. It looks like he improved some uh, over the preseason. I, I got to see the live action before I can I can feel good about that, because that, look, that's a big deal. If Jabril Peppers can get it together then that's a major because to me he was he looked like he was going to be one of those very very rare exceptions to the easy three rule where you, it's not my rule it's the I, I just say it a lot it's the you should wait three years before really evaluating a uh, talent that you draft and it looked but it looked to me like he was an exception in the extreme circumstance that uh, that it wasn't going to work out but he he does look like he has improved I hope that we see more of that although there are certainly some things that you look at that it's like you know there's the ball run to it but whatever it, may, it just may take him a while to get there. Uh, either way, we could win with what we have right now on this roster. I, I, I'm not. I don't have a problem putting us up against anybody, particularly when some of these guys, you know, uh, develop even further. Garrett's only going to get better. Denzel Ward is only going to get better. Joe Schobert is only going to get better. Uh, guys like. Uh, no, Nick Chubb's only going to get better. Antonio Callaway's only going to get better. 
David Njoku's only going to get better. And there's a lot of room for these guys. And if, if all of that happens, and I realize that not all of it is going to happen, there's going to be guys that, you know, you look at uh, Larry is only going to get better, but there are some guys that they, they may not. If they get better, it's only going to be by a little bit, and they never get out of their, their rookie mode. And so, you know, they don't realize that potential. I get that. The whole point of the Moneyball strategy that we had the last several years was you, you throw as many uh, – you know, uh, uh, pitches you can, and this, and hope that you you you're able to. Uh, if you increase, I should I, I I totally reverse that analogy. If you get more swings at the bat, then your chances for hits increase. And so that was the point. So even if we don't get all of them, and that got you know a lot of that got turned upside down during the course of this off season. But whatever. Uh, if if you know if if some of those advancements make on some of those players, then we have a uh, we have a we have a tremendous roster, the potential for an incredible roster in place. And so there's all sorts of reasons to be optimistic about this team. But you know, coaches are the secret superstars. And if Greg Williams is still going to continue having his head scratching way of coaching the defense, and Hugh Jackson is going to be, and I'll tell you this: if Hugh Jackson is going to be prone to overruling Todd Haley, which did look like some of that was going on in the preseason, uh, then we we didn't really uh, pick, we didn't really win anything there. We didn't really gain any sort of advantage there. But we'll see. And I'm not, you know, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer about all of this, but uh, you know, because I'm sure that if you if you've uh, been a, a part of what we do, then you're like, hey man, everybody's super hype about this, and you're being all like, you know, uh, you're 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 being, uh, uh, you know. Susie, sorry, you're just, I'm trying to use another uh, uh, phrase besides Debbie Downer, but I, it, it's just I, I'm 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 just trying to be real here, y'all. I mean, if, I've been in these years. We're going in. I was like, yeah, man. You know, I think I think Colt McCoy is going to be okay. We're going to have a big year. And there's been years where I go in there and think, you know, if this happens, this happens, this happens. Uh, you know, we could we could be so surprise some people, and it never happens. So to me, it's like, okay, when Baker Mayfield gets on the field, that's when we're ready to start winning. Right now, eh, it's, it's, it's going to be about the same old, same old. And I'll, and, and look, it'll be, it'll be more fun to watch. You know, these preseason games, the one distinction that was different this year, I mean, we went out there, we clobbered Detroit. That was pretty nice to watch, although it was their twos against our twos. Uh, we played pretty well against Philadelphia and um, Buffalo and uh, New York with their ones against our ones, they they looked okay, you know. But again, it's preseason. How much can you really put into that? But the point is, is that last year when we went undefeated in the preseason, typically what would happen is our ones would get outplayed, and then the the backups would come in and win the games. And that really wasn't the case this year. Our ones played pretty well and set it up for the rest of the game for our defense, or I should say, for our second unit and third units to win the game based on what the ones had already done. So that's a difference. You know, that's a that that that's, that that could. Uh, be some tea leaf reading that tells us that things are going to be better for us. But I just always think that it's better to be cautiously optimistic than uh, to go in with, uh, with, with, with jump in with both feet. And look, the, the future, no matter what happens tomorrow, and even what happens for the first couple weeks of this season as it plays out, uh, there's reasons for optimism because we've got Baker Mayfield and not even – not even if Hugh Jackson turns out to have not been tanking and really giving his best effort these last two years. Not even Hugh Jackson can screw that can screw up Mayfield. Not even Hugh. Not even Greg Williams can screw up Miles Garrett. Those two guys are going to be the real deal. And if the guys that we currently have coaching this team are unable to get it together, then the one thing that we know about Jim Haslam is that he is going to offload those guys, and new guys are going to come in, and that may be when we finally see the turnaround that we have all been waiting for. Uh, and look, this year, 
Still should be a lot, a lot more fun than the last two years, maybe even the last three years. Um, but I just, I, I, I caution. Although, you know, what do I know? But I'm just saying, I caution getting too, uh, too worked up, too hype, because it could very well be that tomorrow we're looking at, um, you know, something similar to what we, assuming that we even get to play tomorrow. And that's the other thing is that they're, they forecast, you know, they're calling for wind and rain that is, is like. Like the, there was a game a couple of years ago between Miami and West Virginia, I think, where it was just like it was a squall, like fifty mile an hour winds, and it was just ridiculous. You know, there may so there may be some uh, some some of that going on. They, they even talked about you know moving the game to a different time, which wouldn't that be uh, appropriate? Us you know losing out on our first game. Sorry about that to adjust the uh, the headphone again, but. Uh, <clears throat> At any rate, the, uh, the the season is still the the you know a, a turning of the page for the year. It is nice to have football back and and uh, both at the college and the pro level and to get involved in it and to, and to get excited. You know, the thing is about me is even though I am doing everything I can to temper expectations, right, and to to uh, to caution. Um, you know, prudence and so on, is that even with all of that, I know, I know that tomorrow around, uh, you know, noon, I'm going to start getting that feeling, you know, I'm going to start getting that, it's almost football time, it's almost football time, it's almost football time, and then around 12.30, it's going to get even more so, and then around 1 o'clock, I'm going to have that, and by the way, I had that feeling all last year. Every the last three years, every time we would you know line up to get our heads kicked in against whoever it was we were playing, I still had that feeling going into it like yeah baby it's kickoff it's right around the corner because I just love this team. You know there was the guy that we we uh, talked about. Or I should say we uh, we we read an article about him. This was like a year and a half ago. It was a dude in New York that got uh, featured in a uh, and I forget who it was. He even wrote the article. I think it was an SBN article. But he's this guy that worked at a deli in New York, and he he had a Browns tattoo. And the guy was like, he was totally transfixed. He's like, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are terrible. You know, and you have it. He's like, well, you know, I just I just love them. That that was his answer. He's just, I just love them. And that's the way that's that's the way I am. That's the way that you are. We just we just love this team, because if there was any sort of if we had to be rational about why we are supported, there is no rational explanation. There is no ra- rational explanation why any of us are still around at this point. They have given us every reason to walk away, and, and they and they, by the way, they've doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on giving us reasons to walk away, and yet we are still here. If you are hearing this, you are still here, and look. Um, the thing about that, and it's the 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 prize that we've all uh, been waiting for, and maybe it will happen, and that's the uh, the clarion call that this all needs to come to an end, is that when that turnaround does happen, and it will, it will soon. I'm, I feel that. I feel that the turnaround is is imminent. Uh, well, it's soon, maybe not imminent, but when it does, good God, y'all, it's gonna feel so good when it does happen. And uh, I know that, you know that, it's, um, yeah. so let's see, maybe tomorrow I'll be wrong and it will be the beginning of all of that, but it was a pleasure speaking with you uh, here today, already an hour, wow, that just went uh, went by quick. I think I hit about everything I was going to talk about, but hey, I will be with you again tomorrow after the game, as is our uh, procedure. Um, always enjoy speaking with you. Um, hit me up on the the on the on the email easyweave at gmail.com, Facebook and Twitter, all that. Uh, if you want to uh, participate in what we do here at the network, it's uh, firing up again, so uh, you can always 
Uh, by the way, the DBN Network Twitter uh, page is back up and, and uh, running at full steam. So we got stuff happening, more shows coming. If you'd like to add your voice to what we're doing, same thing. Hit me up, easyweave at gmail.com. Until we talk again tomorrow, I hope that you have a wonderful day and morning and that you enjoy the game as I know that I will, regardless of the outcome. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network. And until next time, good luck, God bless. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.